0: Uh, Welcome back to a double dose of Knock On Podcast. You got one this morning, now you're getting one this afternoon. Um, This one is a little bit late, if I'm honest with you, but one of the ones that I'm most excited about and one of the ones that I've had the most requests for, um, I've got the Whitetail product manager, Chris Derrick from Sika on the phone. And we're gonna walk through. Did I get your title right? <laughs> it's like five. You did yes, it was five minutes ago when you told me, so I'm pretty happy I remembered it. Um, but we're gonna talk through Whitetail product in relation to Sitka 101. Um, this is part of an ongoing endeavor of mine as I change over from you know one product to another, and I'm having to learn this product from. Literally start to finish. I think it's really, really important for the listeners and essentially, you know, our our friends in social media to be able to get this knowledge with me and understand exactly what we need to be purchasing for either our acclamation our area, the time of year, uh etc. so I'm trying to make sure we do everything correct and pick the right stuff. The one thing I'll say with the Sika catalog being a brand new consumer coming in is you know, it's a little bit overwhelming. Um and I hear that quite often, but I think these podcasts really help simplify it. I know after my podcast with Barclow simplified it right down i actually just took what i thought i needed to do and just wiped that slate clean and just said i'm gonna follow exactly what john tells me on my first hunts and when i did them and i layered that way and i de-layered that way and i took those products they told me were essential for that time of year uh worked flawless so chris let's get a lead in of kind of where uh sitka whitetail product kind of started where you want it to go and let's just dive in and by the way I'm I'm running super late and I'm eating I'm actually eating some Utah elk They're always eating on your
1: podcast. It's, it's
0: <laughs> sorry. Very
1: efficient. You not you kill two birds with one stone everywhere you go. So
0: Yep, it's my Utah um, bull so it's um I'm trying a new marinade one of my buddies sent me. I'm still up in the That's air about good. it, but I'm going to eat and listen, <laughs> multitask, and uh, take it away, dude.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Um, well, thanks for having me on, and and the way I look at it is, you know, Sitka was really born with the mountain sports mentality. Um, you know, John's been on your podcast several times and talked a lot about this, but it, just because you're sitting in a tree stand doesn't mean that you can't take that same philosophy to the product. So what we face in the Whitetail Woods is there's really a couple of, of stages where you're you're going out to your stand and maybe you'll you'll have some high exertion at the beginning of the hunt while you're climbing in and out of your stand or or moving from, you know, your truck to wherever you are and if you don't layer properly you, you can get yourself into where you're not thinking about managing your moisture in the correct way. And I think that's ultimately what a lot of whitetail hunters maybe don't um, understand or maybe haven't experienced yet. So once you move into the system and you know how to layer the right way and, and use the right type of products, your sits can be a whole lot more comfortable. I, I always talk about back when I first started hunting, I mean, I can remember being in high school, for example, and sitting, and this is, this is Alabama. um, But, you know, 18 degrees in Alabama can feel pretty cold. um, (laughs) But looking like the Michelin man, I mean, just completely like layered up with cotton, super puffy, uh, could barely move, looked like Ralphie from, uh, from uh, uh, the Christmas story, and just being absolutely miserable. And then now I can go all the way to like Alberta and it's negative 15, and I don't have to look like the Michelin Man. I can actually be very, very comfortable without adding too many layers.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, I've experienced that already, no question. And I'm a very, very cold, super cold-natured person. I mean, my phalanges are too far away from my heart, I think, to stay warm all the time. So we'll see if you guys tackle that impossibility. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that's and and you know cold is relative to i think a lot of your your body makeup or or how how you're just constructed maybe you being so tall too i think that probably makes things a little bit harder on you and keeping your digits warm
0: yep 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 well so- uh i as far as
1: systems are are you do would you like to go through from early to mid season, since that's where we are, yeah, the best way for,
0: yeah, I think so. Um, so I started out uh, a week ago with the very first system uh, of mine. And by the way, the whitetail systems, um, you'll notice that they they are available in the, the elevated two pattern, um, so that's where I started. So if you see me in subalpine, Those are going to be western hunts or hunts that I've done on the ground. Whereas once I switch to, you know, more of a a gray tone, an elevated two tone, um, in the Optifade, then it's going to be uh, whitetail specific. And I started with the ESW, which stands for early season whitetail. And honestly, I took the basics of what I had learned with. Uh, some of my Western hunts and started out with just core lightweight on my first layer. Um, I do use hex, so I put hex over the top of that, and then I went with the ESW um, pant. I you have an ESW button up top, which um, I liked, but I actually really li- I love 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 the features of your hoodies, both the the lightweight and the heavy both um, I use the lightweight mainly because it was so hot but I, I love the features of that um, and absolutely right now I'm actually wearing a fanatic hoodie um, I've, I love the fanatic hoodies they're so awesome so well thought out but um, that is what I had started out with was the lightweight hoodie uh, core lightweight pant and long sleeve top um, and that's really all I needed but it was extremely hot. I haven't gotten into any of the other systems at all so I guess maybe touch a little bit on the ESW and then let's just progress as cold factor would progress uh, into what we would need to be looking at depending on our climates
1: yeah the way i would i would take advice people when they're we're looking at whether or not the ESW or the equinox system for your early season is the right fit for you uh, if you're going to be up in some of the midwestern areas where maybe you're you're even not starting your hunting season until late september or early october then the equinox is probably where you're going to want to start but then if you're at a more of maybe a southern climate or you have an early, early season where the temperatures are going to be, let's just say 80 plus, 85 plus degrees, um, that's where the ESW comes in. And then uh, if you want to be able to get to the start of the season where, where things get a little bit colder, you can layer under that product in the right way or, or bring jackets into your kit. So the ESW is really designed for when it's it's those early, early seasons where people – are going to be hunting. And it's, it's just, there's no way around it. You're going to be sweating. I mean, if you were wearing nothing out there, you're going to be sweating in the woods. And that's really what it's designed. It's about drying yourself out quickly about not, um, not, not, uh, becoming too covered in scent. So keeping your scent profile down as well, uh, through the use of polygene. Um, and so, let's just say you're you're living in a climate where things are going to be very, very warm at the beginning. I would start with like the ESW shirt, ESW pants, and as you move in the colder weather, so where where the temperature is going to start dropping into the, maybe the 60s and maybe upper 50s, then you can layer like the core lightweight or the core heavyweight under those items uh, in order to allow yourself to get further into the season, and then you can move into some of the you know, the Windstopper outerwear pieces. Um, So that's a great way to take it. Uh, But if you're living somewhere, maybe you're not going to be starting until mid or early October, and it's going to start getting cool very quickly, then maybe the Equinox pant and um, Equinox jacket is maybe where you're going to want to start. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So what's the main difference between the, the Equinox and the ESW? So the Equinox pant and
1: the ESW pant are, are very similar builds. Um, what's a little bit different is the ESW textile is a little bit lighter weight than the Equinox is. And then the ESW also has vent panels that are built inside of the gusset. And then uh, if you turn that pant inside out, if you're looking at it in the store, uh, and you'll look at the cargo pox, the cargo pockets and just behind them, are actually ventilation panels. So what that pant's going to do is is it allows for a lot of breathability, whereas the Equinox is it, that's it's a very similar build, but the textile is just a little bit heavier. So there was a lot of people before the ESW came out um, were saying, uh, "Hey, the Equinox is just a little bit heavy for what I need," and that's the reason we came out with the ESW. Um, and then as far as the, 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 top goes, the ESW top is just ultra lightweight. When you pick it up, it just feels like a feather. Uh, everything that, uh, that the way that was designed is with a really minimalist, minimalist approach. Um, and just to make sure that we're managing moisture in a, in a, a really effective way. Um, and then from a top standpoint, like with the Equinox, just like you did with the core lightweight hoodie, Maybe you'll want to take that core lightweight hoodie and then maybe take the Equinox jacket and put on that on top of that if you're, um, if you're facing a little bit cooler temperatures. Um, and then we also have the Equinox hoodie, which is a little bit as it gets even colder is a great uh, option to add in your kit. So the way I break it up is like Equinox is like, just think of it, it's after the Equinox or late September, early October as things start to cool. That's really what the Equinox is built for.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's obviously, I didn't know the meaning behind the name. So yeah, well thought out. Um, Okay. So in regards to moving on past Equinox, I would assume, and that's, you know, you do, the thing is you do have the ability to, to layer heavier underneath that, which I'm, I've always been more of not liking a really heavy, heavy outer piece i like to layer underneath um and i feel like i've been able to kind of maintain my temperature a little better that way so you can you know if you have the heavyweight uh layer or if you do the heavyweight wool i think it's going to get you pretty far uh you know if you're especially if you're kind of iowa and lower it'll get you pretty far now if i still lived up in you know Mid Wisconsin or Northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, that type of thing, or people that are in Canada, you know, they're probably going to have to move past the equinox much sooner. Um, But does the equinox have wind stopper built in?
1: No, it doesn't. So when you're going, say you're wanting just to add some wind stopper in the Whitetail line, Um, the Stratus is really comes in, and, and that's our most versatile. Uh, basically outerwear piece, uh, and and that's it's got a light fleece on the inside, and then we sandwich the Windstopper membrane in between, and then a micro fleece face. And the um, so that's a really great addition. So if you were going to build something, and then you wanted to have Windstopper, uh, the Stratus is allowing you to wear that, and then you can layer under that, um, or as it gets colder. So I can get. I mean, I can get down to zero degrees inside of the Stratus if I'm layering under that appropriately. Um, And I'm just like like you're saying, go ahead and layer under a lot of your stuff. You Select your outerwear piece and then build up your insulation in between the two.
0: Now, you're not putting Equinox under the Stratus, correct? This is just Stratus?
1: Uh, Yeah, so at that point, I might take, like you said, the Core Lightweight, for example and then maybe put the stratus pants or stratus bib on top of that. So the core lightweight is all about managing moisture. Um, And so a lot of people I think uh, maybe don't know that, take an ultra lightweight piece and put it on as your foundation. So when when I'm helping people try and figure out what, what works for them, you know, you always want to start with a really strong foundation. So that can either be synthetic or it can be wool and um depending on what you prefer and then you're building on top of that so and and really where that that foundation is set is all about managing moisture so even if it's zero degrees or negative 15 degrees outside i'm still going to have a lightweight um synthetic base later on for example and then i'm that's and the whole purpose of that one piece is just to manage moisture
0: we you know what's funny is if you would have asked me before sick uh what would have been my choice i would have told you wool um just based off my history based off the fact that um i've always liked having wool for um some of my under layers but in saying that um i've actually really liked sika's core um the core lightweight has been my favorite even over the wool in my first five weeks of hunting uh maybe it's because they've all been very active um hunts uh but yeah i felt like they 100 percent served the purpose and you know to be able to do a nine and ten day hunt with literally two two sets i had two sets of, of the core lightweight with me was able to try travel home without my bag smelling like a football locker room, and honestly, <laughs> I think I'm I'm doing a hunt. Um, I'm gonna do an elk hunt with with Joe this next week, and I just packed everything for it. I'm actually just taking one set of core lightweight. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna be a hundred percent fine just with one set. Uh, just. The way that it feels and wicks and scent management is by far uh, good enough for me with one set, and I'll be able to travel a little lighter. For whitetail, uh, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to try both. I really like the feel of this heavyweight wool. Um, so we'll see, you know, in a city, from a sitting point of view, um, I think. I think I'll probably, if I don't have far to go, I think I'm going to go with the wool. If I'm, if I'm riding in, uh, I might stick to a core, um, you know, a synthetic more so than a, more so than the than the wool. But uh, now, is there much noise difference between the Stratus and the Equinox?
1: Uh, yeah, there will be, uh, a little bit more noise associated with, um, with something with a laminate in it. Um, so, and that, that really comes from the rustle that's created. Um, and so I I think, but everything that's done inside of the Stratus is in order to quiet that down. So that's why the, the product uses a micro fleece face, uh, and it uses the, um, uh, the the fleece on the backside as well as the light fleece on the backside. So all of those items will help cool it down. So if you took something that's maybe similar to that uh, and didn't do those items or didn't make those changes to the product, uh, it is going to be significantly louder than those items would be.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you were
1: talking a little. Yeah, and you were talking a little bit about the uh, the merino and the heavyweight side. And one thing I'll I'll point out with using that is I've been able to take that and really get similar in warmth uh, to taking maybe the Core Lightweight and the Fanatic Hoodie and layering those two. So the way the Merino Heavyweight is constructed, the new Merino that just came out this year, is it's actually a synthetic against your skin. And then it's the heavy 290-gram wool that's on the outside. And what that really does is it accelerates the moisture movement. So that synthetic is really it hates moisture. It does it's really hydrophobic. It's gonna want to move it away. But the wool loves it. And then so what that's gonna do is pull that moisture through that product very, very quickly. So I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you ever wear like a heavyweight wool right next to the skin, it feels kind of clammy. Yep. Um and when I'm wearing the heavyweight wool, I don't get that experience. And that's that's one of the best things I think about that
0: heavyweight. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I didn't yep. know that. So that that'll be uh, definitely worth definitely worth trying. Um, now, do you? I know Barclow sent me one. I'm assuming um, you make it. But is there a reason someone couldn't have the Equinox, but then just buy one of the really light Windstopper layers? to just have to put underneath that layer if they're not wanting to go all the way up to the stratus you know say someone has an equinox they like being quiet most of the year um but you know they don't want to they want the quietest as possible most of the time um can they do that i know that um i'm gonna have to get up and go look at the name of it i'll let you talk for a second here but i've got a jacket uh over here on the floor you're
1: probably referring to the mountain jacket i bet you that's the one you're going to go pick up and uh there's there's a way i would suggest that you always still have a core lightweight um base layer um but the way that the stratus system is designed is like you could literally take your core lightweight and then take the stratus and put that on top of it and then maybe you could add insulation in between the two as the season progressed and that's really with a way that the strata system is designed what you're what you're talking about doing i'm assuming is taking the mountain vest and then laying that under insulation and there there is actually um there that that is a, a way that you could wear a stopper as well
0: okay okay no problem um what about the hopefully the, i hope this isn't something that's not out is out right now. is this flash pullover out? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check John's one. <laughs> so uh, that's that's a John question. yeah it's it's a very very yeah, lightweight it, it's out. yeah, it's a very very lightweight yep. wind flash. stopper. I'm going to have him – he's got to start writing on a marker on the inside of these things, no. (laughs) Or I'll have him put a date on there where I'm allowed to talk about it where he can put like – Yeah, and everyone
1: you just open up on the inside.
0: Yeah, 2020 it needs to say by the name so I know whether or not I'm allowed to talk about it. But um, like this kind of piece right here um, would be good as well as today I was out and um, Sika makes a – a really small light wind stopper jacket that's it's black but it's very very light super packable and that could be something you know if you're a person that's a whitetail hunter but you really love the quietness of that equinox and you're not in temperatures that are hot enough to uh or cold enough to move into that stratus, then keep this in mind, having these little wind stopper, almost like a shell layer that you could keep with you and put on before you put that outer jacket on. And that way, you're still breaking that wind uh, from actually hitting your body. Um, Will it still be as effective that way if it's not, I mean, heat-wise, as long as you've got your, your core layers correctly underneath that? Um, is that still going to function okay? Or does the insulation from the Equinox need to be on the inside of that wind barrier?
1: No, it doesn't need to be on the inside. Um, so that's, that's, that's something, uh, it's just a different way to, to build a kit. Uh, a lot of what we do from a fit for you standpoint, um, that's not currently in the, in the line. Um, but per- personally, I don't see any harm with putting wind stopper closer to the skin.
0: Okay. Okay, well that's that's good to know. I don't know the model number, unfortunately. I don't have the jacket in here that I wore today, but it's a very very lightweight. Uh, it's black. Um, maybe you can find it, um, but it's a very very lightweight shell. It's probably very similar to this flash, um, but it's it's black and something like that for someone who can't afford multiple outfits is something to keep in mind. The majority of the time, if it's not windy, I've always elected to have something that's, you know, got more of a more of a fleece type fabric to where it's more of a sound buffer, more of a muffle, um, just to be as quiet as possible. Uh, and then layering differently, like for example, I used to actually put on, um, you know, when I was with UA. I didn't have a choice. A lot of times, some of the stuff had no wind protection at all, so I actually had to wear like some some Gore Tex uh, Gore Tex branded golf products that I would literally put underneath to block the wind um, when it was really windy days, and it functioned well. So you know, if you're wanting one suit, then keep that in mind. However, if you are a person that's in the Midwest. Um, and you really focus on hunting rut into later season that's when we immediately start thinking okay well a stratus is going to be the next step for us so let's go ahead and progress forward and talk about the stratus and uh, and kind of how how you work that system
1: yeah so the way that I think that you, the Stratus is really, if you're looking for a a kit, that's going to basically get you through most of the year, almost anywhere you go, the Stratus is a great place to go. Um, so if I were to suggest somebody that's going to go into, you know, a fairly cold, uh, situation, you know, taking like the Stratus bib or Stratus pant, uh, and then layering under that again, like the core lightweight and maybe a core heavyweight, um, and, uh, if you are uh, for your top, um, taking a core lightweight and a core heavyweight and putting that under a Stratus, or if you, maybe if you get a little more, bit more cold natured, taking something like a Celsius jacket or a Celsius midi jacket and putting those under that, I, I feel totally comfortable going down into very, 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 very cold conditions with those items on. And it's a super versatile piece. Um, so that, that's a really good way to build a system. If you're trying to do one, uh, also on a budget, that's going to get you through most of the season. Um, the Stratus is a great just system that I would start as your shell piece and then layer insulation under that as well. So just the one thing to always remember is start, start with some sort of a, again, foundational layer and then have your Stratus be your outerwear piece when it's, when it's cool. And then when it starts to get really cold. Adding the insulation in between the two, which is like the core heavyweight um, or going to a heavyweight wool or the Celsius MIDI. All of those items are really good options that are going to get you far, far, far into the season.
0: Now, the Celsius, is that an entire set?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of uh, products that are inside of the, the Celsius, and they're really lofted insulation items with no wind stopper. So they're true insulation pieces. Um so the Celsius jacket for example that one has uh PrimaLoft uh yeah. it's almost if you can imagine a kind of a micro fleece for people that haven't I'm going to try and describe this for you so it's it's a micro fleece face um with a puffy design um that has really cropped off sleeves so you're just going to imagine a regular puffy jacket but then the sleeves are going to stop about halfway up your bicep and really what that does is it seals in a lot of the warmth from your body because you lose a lot to your armpits. But when you put a jacket on or down by your sleeves uh, on your lower forearm, it doesn't add bulk in those areas. So just the other day um, I was out hunting. It, was, it started, I think, about 38 degrees where I am in the morning. And literally all I had on for my top was a um, lightweight, core lightweight synthetic, uh, and then I had my Fanatic hoodie on and a Celsius jacket. And I actually climbed and walked to the stand with just the core lightweight on. And then when I got in, I threw on the, um, uh, the Fanatic hoodie and the Celsius jacket. Uh, that way I wouldn't get sweated up because I had to, in order to get to the stand I was hunting, um, I had to cross a couple of the irrigation ditches and creeks and you know some of them you know were right up to the top of my boot uh in order to get there and you know i knew i was going to wind up getting pretty hot and sweaty on the way in if i put too many layers on so that's one of one of the things is think about how you're going to commute to your stand and layer appropriately i'll typically commit to my bottom what i'm going to hunt in for the day for my bottom just because it's a little bit harder to layer unless you're wearing a bib in the stand Uh, so that morning I just had a core lightweight bottom on in my Stratus pants and I just committed to that and then walked in with a really lightweight top on.
0: Okay. Well, once we've made it past, I like the, the one thing that I'm going to have to get used to, and maybe you can expand on this is the sideways zipper. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to, I've got to get used to that. Um, and one of the one bit of feedback I gave you guys was just you know making sure the zippers don't come too far across the right side of the face. Just for handheld release shooters, um, you don't want to you don't want to end up having that happen. So, um, absolutely. But uh, yeah, and then,
1: yeah, and the reason that that cross angle zip you're going to see um, built onto it's on the Celsius jacket. It's on the Fanatic item, so like the Fanatic vest, Fanatic jacket, Fanatic light. And the reason we add that cross zip on there, and so just for people that are maybe haven't been using it, uh, it's the zipper really starts by your left hip, and then it comes across diagonally to your chest and then comes up onto the right side of your cheek. And the reason that that zipper is designed that way is actually so there's a built-in hand muff. So uh, what that does is it allows you to keep um, your hands and your hand muff uh, built into your jacket without adding a lot of extra bulk. Uh, Maybe if if you're someone that doesn't like to uh, bring on and put like a a secondary hand muff on, uh, it's actually built into the jacket in a very low-profile
0: way. So I guess once we've... uh, (laughs) Well, I've got one question for you that's off-topic, actually, um, because this is a topic I haven't had to deal with, so I'm still in my my early stages of figuring this part out. But um, what boots do you go with for kind of this season? I know that is not making boots, so I'm actually just curious.
1: Yeah, for a rubber boot, uh, LaCrosse has um, an Optivate pattern. They have a, like a no-insulation version for early season, uh, and then they have an 800-gram as well. Um, so this time of year, I'm always wearing just the 800-gram uh, just because it's pretty cool where I am now. Uh, I know if I was where, before I moved to Montana, uh, living in the southeast, um, I would definitely have the no insulation for early season. And then as late, even the coldest temperatures we're going to get to 800 grams is all I'll ever need there. Um, if I'm going somewhere like negative 15, I'm wearing a pack boot.
0: But is there a, particular- so where you're, where you,
1: uh, there's, there's just a couple of them out there. Um, right. Cab- Cabela's makes a really good pack boot. Uh, I wear that when it's super cold. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's some really light, you know. There's some some boots that are actually designed for super super cold conditions when maybe it's sub zero, and all depending on how your your feet are. Uh, that's how I I, uh, I approach when it's ultra 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 cold. Uh, I'll typically move to a pack boot in the stand.
0: Okay, what about just because
1: I feel like the the rubber sucks the cold out?
0: Oh yeah, you what?
1: know it just sucks <laughs> the warmth out so quickly. So
0: yeah, I'm not a. I am not a. I'm not that big on rubber boots anymore. Um, I don't. I think they're called Nevadas. Maybe I'm wrong, but I have some some higher Crispies that I got, and I kind of sized up so that I could go with a Mm -hmm. full heavy, a heavyweight uh, wool sock. And I'm gonna see how I do with those. Um, I loved my my Crispies for. Uh, I wore them, well, I actually wore them for my early season whitetail as well, so um, I've I've really enjoyed them, so I'm going to see how those work out.
1: Yeah, I use the uh, Crispy, I've got the Nevadas that I use for our big game hunts here. They're the the lower ankle, not the tall high ones that you're talking about, but I've, I've really enjoyed those boots.
0: Have you tried just using a, a heavier sock to see how they do, or... Uh,
1: I haven't taken them into that colder colder, static um, weather positions. I, I'm typically wearing the rubber boots until it gets, you know, very, very cold um, just for, for moving in. And also a lot of the places I'm hunting, I'm having to cross some creeks um, and areas where there's some water. So, and, and a lot of them are pretty sloppy um, cow pastures that maybe I'm having to go across and having the boots, the rubber boots for that situation just just comes in just comes in handy i i would be have soaking wet feet by the time i got just with the, the land i have access to hunt here um that's a real reason to, to have those rubber boots for my for my use
0: yeah and i know in the south there's definitely places where they would have worked well for me um if i still lived down in the south so i get it um but here in the midwest you know especially people who aren't having to deal with much water it's It's kind of a, I don't know. I don't like rubber boots because sometimes they make noise on the cables on my stand. So, uh, you know, just having a regular boot, I think, is a little bit more quieter. Also, easier to take off when they get cold. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if they're real cold, or if you've ever had a pair of rubber boots that have like the compression heels and you leave them in your truck overnight, they freeze and then you have to put them on. It's like trying to squeeze your foot. Pass two frozen eggs well two frozen golf balls (laughs) (laughs) to get your feet in there kind of sucks um and they get to be hard to take on and off especially depending on how you're layering um okay well the next question i would have you know i guess accessory wise would be packs um yeah so i used the pack that had kind of the flap on the back i didn't really pay attention to the model name um but it kind of had a flap that came down and then you could put the little peg through the hole uh, to hold that down. I know there were two styles that I got, so I don't really know the name of the one that I had, uh, but that was the one that I used first.
1: Yeah, so what, what, they're both essentially a very similar design. There's two packs that are currently in the Sickle line. Um, the uh, toolbox is, uh, and the tool bucket so the only difference between those two packs uh, really is the fact that the tool bucket allows you to break the pack off from the internal frame, and you can sandwich a stand in between the two. So what you can do with the tool bucket is, let's say you're going to do a hanging hunt, and you've got to hike in a legs and, and, and you want to carry your stand with you. What you can do is go ahead and throw that in between the two uh, layers of the pack, and then you attach, like, the regular outside part of the pack to the stand, and then you can hike into where you need to be. If you're not doing that type of hunting, then the toolbox is a really good setup because the whole design of these packs is they basically are, are kind of like a bucket on the side of the stand. So that, the way that the, the whole kit, basically, when you hang it off of, of the hook, you can either hang it by the lid and access your gear through the mesh that's on the top lid Or if you want to just hang it by the handle or the top lid, the flap will hang over. And then everything just sits inside of a readily available, essentially, bucket on the side of the stand so you can get your gear in and out. Um, And when you go inside of that pack, there's, you know, smaller uh, isolated compartments uh, where you can keep things like if you want your gloves, in a separate area you might stuff that into the side area of that pocket or you're going to keep your wherever you're going to keep your grunt tubes or or just things you need to be able to readily just reach into access quickly while you're in the stand and maybe be able to put them back um without making a whole lot of movement
0: yep yep so do you use different ones at different times or you have one that you're partial to
1: um well i <laughs> i've with, with I, what I like to do is if I'm not carrying in a stand, then I'll typically just use the tool box. Um, if I'm going to go somewhere where I've got a cart in a stand, uh, then that's where I use the tool bucket. So I guess the way that I would lay it out for people is if you're, if you're going to be ever doing a lot of hanging hunts, you can use the tool bucket just like you did with the tool box. Um, you just don't have to use that feature. But it gives you the option if you ever do need it. Um, but if you're never doing that style of hunting, let's say you set all your stands earlier in the year. They're pretty much like uh, ones where you can just drive up, you know, set them up with your truck because they're in, you know, a, a green field that, that maybe you're, you, know, you have access to with a tractor and things along those lines. The toolbox is fine for that use. Um, so really look at the style of hunting that you're doing. And if you're doing a hang and hunt type of situation, uh, where you want to carry in your stand, then then the tool bucket would be the way to go. If you're never putting yourself in that situation, uh, go ahead and just uh, use the toolbox.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so I guess last, I assume last, well, there's two more categories. One would be the fanatic, which is, I would say, is going to be once once it's time to freeze your nuts off, that's 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 the time um
1: yes and hopefully if you're using it that is not the problem you run into so um i can't wait yeah that uh, i can't wait yeah yeah you're away you're away from having to uh to use that uh where you are but uh i think within a, a month or so you ought to be there so um but uh the fanatic is if you want to take a look at that that's going to have um Primaloft. It's 133 grams of Primaloft that's in the the jacket. And then it's going to have a a windstopper Berber face. So a little bit warmer. Um, Like I said, I've worn this way down into the negatives uh, hunting in Canada. Um, Other than my face, you know, being cold, and then maybe my toes getting cold from uh, from um, maybe not having the right footwear. uh, The the overall, my, my core of my body stayed super, super warm. Um, and that that piece, you know, if it's going to be getting frigid and you're going to be hunting in those cold, cold conditions, that's where the Fanatic comes in. Uh, if you're going to be hunting in maybe some wetter conditions, wet, cold conditions, that's where the incinerator comes in. And that's an actual Gore-Tex shell with, um, with Primaloft. Uh, like a like a blend down synthetic down insulation in there as well. So if depending on what situation you're into, uh, if you're going to be in a super super wet cold environment, uh, then the incinerators may be the way to go. Um, but most in most instances, the fanatic is um, is going to be just fine for where you need to be.
0: Okay. What about um, what about if someone just wanted to literally go with like a fanatic would just layer super duper light underneath. Could they do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's fine. Most of the times when I go in, I'm just wearing the core lightweight and maybe if I'm, I'm packing in the bib, I'll take the Equinox pant and put that on top of my core lightweight. And then I'll just walk in and I'll put on my bib and my jacket in the stand. So if I'm going to be going anywhere in, you know, I know I'm going to be moving. It might be a little cold when I first got out of my truck, uh, but I know I'm know going to work my that heat up as I'm, I'm moving, and then I'll get up into my stand and I'll pack the bibs in and then put them on in the stand because you don't want to really be moving a whole lot. Uh, and then there's times where when I go in with a bib, if I'm not going to be running into maybe like a high burr situation. Uh, it, then I'll go ahead and just put the bib on and vent the side leg vents. So you can vent those all the way down, you know, past your knees if you need to. Uh, vent the center chest zip and and then just pack in your jacket, get into where you need to be, and then put your jacket on as well.
0: Okay. Um, if there were five pieces people should buy, what are they?
1: Uh, I would say uh, just starting from your base, um, core lightweight, and then I would say core heavyweight uh, to get you through for for some insulation, and then a stratus, so either a jacket or uh, or the vest or a pant and a bib, and having those items. And then uh, the last piece that I would say is for when it gets super cold. Is maybe getting like a mid layer insulation piece, like the Celsius Midi or the Celsius Jacket, um, and then the fifth piece would just be getting a pack like the Toolbox, um, and then that would be a kit that's going to get most of the people through what they need, um, and uh, and you may be you know just the gloves in there depending on what you want for your 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 handwear, and accessories like beanies and things like that. But as far as the kit goes, core lightweight. Um, something like that core heavyweight or fanatic for some insulation stratus and then adding to your accessory kit and that's probably going to get you through most of the year
0: what um i guess what's the 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 most versatile rain suit if someone's strictly a whitetail hunter what would be the most the most uh versatile for rain in regards to rain gear
1: that's going to be the downpour um so there's really two gore-tex rainwear uh level pieces that are inside of the whitetail one's the incinerator uh again that's the one i talked about for ultra ultra cold uh conditions uh where where maybe you want some waterproof protection the downpour for example is a quiet uh rainwear piece that has no insulation so it's just a three-layer um, so it's going to have your, your backer uh, that's on there, your Gore-Tex laminate, and then uh, a lightly brushed face to make it quieter than most other rain jackets. So most of the noise that you experience with rain jackets is going to be from, from buckle. If you ever take like a, like a regular mountain style rain jacket and you crinkle the sleeve, you'll hear that popping noise. Um, and what the downpour does is quiet that down. Uh, b- by the choice of textiles that they're using and the choice of laminate that they're using.
0: Okay. Well, other than that, did I miss anything?
1: No, we went through it pretty uh, pretty <laughs> in-depth. I, I know it's a high level. It's not, If you don't have pictures in front of you, it's hard for people to uh, imagine what we're talking about, but um, um, playing around on the SICA website while we're while we're going through all this, we'll, we'll let you get an idea of what the um, what the gear looks like. Uh, and then our customer service team, I mean, there's people, they have the whole gear line right behind them. Every one of the people in our customer service department, they all hunt. Uh, that's local requirement. It's not just like we've hired people and brought them in to have pe- warm bodies in there. That, that crew, if you call them, they're going to spend a long time basically trying to get you educated on what, is the right choice for you. So I would just encourage people if they have any questions, call our customer service team and 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 they'll they'll take you through the line and spend some time on the phone building the right system for you.
0: Yeah, that's that. I've been there, and that is a hundred percent accurate. I mean, I've I was impressed when I when I saw some of the questions that your team was answering, and and then the fact that if they didn't know it. They literally just called you guys or, or you know or grabbed John and said, "Hey, you know, I've got a question about this. what do you think?" and he immediately got on it and uh, got it answered so yeah, I think uh, I think all this stuff is awesome. Um, I couldn't be happier with with all the equipment i I'm a little well. I shouldn't say that. The thing with the whitetail line is it's very, it's designed very specific from what I found for whitetail. So, one of the things that was a little bit, I shouldn't say awkward because that's not a fair word. Um, but coming from the hunts where I was hunting multiple animals out west, but also doing a deer hunt, the pockets are different. Than the ones like that John designed. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're out there using a pair of Apex pants, and then you switch over uh, to like the early season Whitetail pants, the pockets are slightly different. You know, they don't have knee pads. Um, the pockets are, you know, the buttons or the zips are a little bit different location when it comes to the tops. You know, the zipper's slightly different, but then they have pockets that are like specific for a grunt tube or specific for warming your hands or you know having your phone sitting in there. So, you know, it's more specific for being in a seated position, right? And and having everything very close by the front of you. Uh whereas, you know, John's stuff is obviously designed for people that are being way more mobile. So There is a variation between the two. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying it's, you know, you have to actually develop a system. Um, And I haven't done that yet. You know, I haven't figured, like, with after hunting for about a week or a week and a half with the Apex system and the Bino harness, I developed a system where I knew my release was, my calls were, my Windicator. Um, But then now with this stuff, for a diehard whitetail hunter, I can see why they're really geeked out about the fact that Sitka makes a product that is very specific to being hardcore whitetail hunter. Um, I'm too green at it to be able to give my like true opinion. I mean, I'm just, I'm learning with everybody right now. But the one thing I noticed is, you know, it's not just a piece that is crossover. It's, designed for that application and you're going to have the ability to mount your horns different on the pack or put a grunt tube in a specific location and things like that and i think it's going to be great for people but i also think it's something that people just like me you're going to have to get used to because we're not used to it
1: yeah and it's not i mean even when you take a look at the way the optifade pattern's done i mean Elevated two is optimized for hunting in the tree stand from elevated environments within yards that are 80, 80 yards and less. Um, whereas the big game is, you know, it's designed based off ungulate vision at ground level, um, at different engagement distance. So open country is, you know, it's going to be longer range distances, whereas subalpine is going to be close quarters engagement distances from the ground. And so, the gear that we build around that as well is really designed with the idea that the fact that when you're using the white tail gear the fit for use application is really in a tree stand whether sitting or standing i very rarely sit um in a, in a tree stand but you know there's a lot of people that do but the, all of the gear that when i'm developing from a white tail perspective i i think of how I want hunters to be able to go in and manage moisture with maybe a high aerobic situation, followed by a static sit. Um, so that's really and, and and then you're going to be dealing with various temper temperature conditions or wind conditions during that sit. So, like you know, by going big game hunting, you know you start to get cold, and then you stop moving, the chill sets in very very quickly. Um, and, but then you can start maybe moving again and you know, you're going to warm yourself up when you're hunting in a white kale, a white tail from a tree stand, you're, you're fixed to that position. And so you want to be able to manage your moisture in, a, in an effective way so that when you go in and you don't work up a sweat when you're going in and that way, when you're sitting still, you're not getting cold. And then you can basically add layers, basically, as the temperature changes, or as the wind condition changes, hopefully that makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it Under does. Why. <laughs> yeah, and I think whitetail hunters they have a different they have a different understanding of all this. A lot of them, uh, you know, some some people just get absolutely crazy in regards to like scent containment. Scent prevention. Um, I guess just to talk a little bit about that, what's some of your your thoughts and and understanding on scent containment, scent prevention? Like, what's your personal find? Since this is really your category, and you deal with some awesome, awesome across the states and well across the globe. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? How do you handle it as well? Well,
1: I always just essentially trying to play the best the wind is the best thing you can do. Uh, I do, you know, I do everything I possibly can to, I guess, reduce my scent profile in the stand. Um, But depending on, you know, almost in every situation, when deer get downwind of you, depending on what's happening with the thermals, uh, you know, just the VOCs coming out of your mouth, for example, you could be wearing, you know, Carbon suits and all that type of uh, and and those situations, the VOCs are still going to be what maybe gives you away. And and you know a lot of times people will say, "Hey, that deer got downwind of me and smell it." Well, maybe the thermals were doing something that maybe you didn't understand. Um, so I always just play the wind, and then you know I I am I'm using items on my clothing that help control the scent. We put Polygene on all of our base layers. The reason we do that is because we know you're going to be sweating against those, and we try and keep, you know, the stink down on your clothing. Um, so, but the number one, I mean, when you hear all of, pretty much all of the best whitetail hunters that are out there, playing the wind is the best thing that you can possibly do um, when it comes to, to whitetail hunting. I, I do everything I can to reduce my scent uh, profile, but at, at the same time, playing the wind's the best thing you can possibly do.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. Honestly, there's things that I think help like for, you know, some of the ozone zone products out there. I'm trying a new one right now from HME. Um I've used Ozonix in the past. I definitely think those products um, can help. Um I've seen I've seen examples where I've been amazed at what they do, but I also uh I'm not a scent control freak uh just because I've done every single thing I possibly could to contain scent. And then in the end had stuff still smell me and no matter how crazy I got it, it was the same. So now I just kind of come back from camp (laughs) cooking my stuff. Um, And that's just stuff that I learned from years in bear camp and moose camp and elk camp where you don't have the ability to be perfectly scent free. You just play the wind. And honestly, I think my success when I'm playing, the wind is the same. Uh, it's good, and if I don't play the wind, it's bad. So that's kind of my thoughts behind it. Um, I think the longer you're in a in a fixed position, the more likely you are to have scent contaminants move around. Um, and in those situations, I think that you know ozone probably has a has a place. Um, but like you said. The main thing is when you have clothing that is, you know, you're you're sweating and you're creating um, a bacteria. And then if it's growing and growing, then the smell develops much worse. Um, so, yeah, I my core products, at least me personally, I couldn't smell them. Um, normally, if I come home with base layers that have been put to death and back, Sharon will open my my bag and say good god (laughs) something (laughs) something died in there um she has not said that in five weeks so that's also a testament um so and i guess the other thing too is you i'm going to tell you right now i haven't even talked to john about this but i got um some of the sicka luggage and it is freaking awesome uh i'm I'm sold on both of the roller bags. They're freaking dynamite. Um they are super awesome. You guys just make good stuff. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I know I sound, you know, I'm worried about sounding like a sellout cuz I don't want people to just feel like I'm just, you know, on this big sick train, but I feel like you know, there's certain products in my life that once I kind of get get going on them, I'm kind of a nut about it. And I almost just get obsessed with certain products when they're good. And I feel like if I was just an average guy um, working and hanging out and buying my own stuff, and got turned on to Sica, I feel like I would have been a Sica guy. Um, and it's kind of a sick and nut anyway, just because it works freaking good. It's just good stuff. Um, and the more I'm using it, the more I'm geeking out about it. And I like learning new things and I like, I like understanding it better. So, uh, this is a big help for people, man. And I want to touch base again, uh, as we develop, as we get into season, as I experience, either positives or negatives. Um, I share that stuff with you. Like, um, I'm going to say this now on air because everyone's been asking me about it and asking me if I'm asking you guys about it. But yeah, like for example, your tall sizes, they could be taller. Um, I've told you that you guys are accepting it. Um, so, you know, small little things like that and, I can tell you from my point of view, having a company that, when you give feedback, says, "Whoa, okay, yeah, it, we never thought of that," but yeah, you're 100%. That makes sense. Uh, that's a huge deal, and not having, you know, a massive corporation to jump through to get things like that to change are also a big, big deal for the consumer. You know, being able to talk directly with you, who's putting this stuff in the catalog, designing it you know, taking it from concept to life, and the same thing with John, I think just um, is going to make the product even better and better and better as as we go on, so I'm super jacked about it, and, and uh, can't wait to put it to use.
1: Yeah, we appreciate all the feedback, and even when, you know, just everybody else sends in um, uh, feedback, even through customer service or the other channels that we have for getting it, I mean, we don't The way we look at this is nothing we do is ever going to be perfect uh because we're constantly looking for ways to improve it so always by the time i've even introduced a product i'm already thinking about okay what can i do to make that better and it's because we actually i mean we everybody here really cares about what we're putting out uh if it's not right we won't let it out um and so that's the that's the big difference over other places maybe i've been um, you know, we're not, there's no pressure to say, Hey, you've got to get this out there. We release it when, when we feel like it's right. And then once we release it, we are always thinking about, okay, what can we do to make that better? Um, and what can we learn? What didn't we know? And I think that's, you know, that's just a different mentality. Um, and, you know, speaks to, for what everybody here is doing, uh, at Sitka Gear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. Um, I'm going to have to wrap this up. And yep. I can't thank you enough. I appreciate it. I know you're uh, you're busy. You're probably busy packing because your whitetail season is getting ready to uh, kick off. Meanwhile, John Barclow is getting ready to uh, get back from one of his last hunts and have to sit in the office and cry like a baby. Uh, meanwhile, you're going to go out <laughs> and, and bust some whitetails. So I'm looking forward to it i'm excited about getting some white tails on the ground myself I've, i know i've got a few unfortunately some of these first ones i shot weren't in the ev2 because i was uh off the ground out west so you uh barklow got to got to kind of enjoy those those kills to his side of things so um don't worry dude i know you guys am i on am i on your little board down there am i on the powwow board we should put that on there. I
1: haven't added any of mine on there yet,
0: so I've got a couple of turkeys that on there and
1: uh, uh, and an antelope, so we can put you on there. Actually, I, we'll take you on our team on the product side because I feel like you're on our team and then everybody else, the, uh, the marketing team upstairs, they, they they don't get you on their team.
0: I agree because they never talk to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Well you're in you're you're deep you're neck deep in product with us so Exactly. That's, so that's the fun put me on the board and I'll I'll share with you what's going down and you just wait. I told I told um I talked to Joe and Joe said, you know, are you gonna get after it this year? And I said, Dude, I am so fired up right now to literally put new gear to use. I said I mean, I don't want to come off as being... um, I don't know. I don't want to be a glutton in in the realm of hunting because I will put everything to use. But I am going to bring the Fury this year, and I am not going to let up. I've got the pedal to the metal right now. And once whitetail season starts, I am going to throttle down. You watch. And I'm going to keep freaking going. (laughs) So... You might as well count design team as a win, because if you're gonna put me on that side of the of the check marks, I'm getting ready to freaking shoot some three pointers for you guys.
1: Well, we like competition around here, so that's fun. We we have
0: a we have a good time with it. Um, so we'll we'll take you on our team for sure. Uh, all right. You're talking
1: to me all the time about product anyway, so.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you should if they argue about it, just say, "Hey, we need to show the amount of conversation between our departments and John whoever communicates with them better gets them on their side." So, bam. You guys are winning. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. And uh, do you have a – you guys are pretty not very adamant on your Instagram, your personal Instagram accounts. Do you have one you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I, I post every once in a while. I, I can't take it to the level that John does because he gets all the people by doing nothing. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> John has this nature. But, yeah, we're, we're – I mean, I, I'll post every once in a while, but that's – I'm I'm not like uh, you guys. You 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 guys have a whole network, and John just somehow does it and does nothing at all. So he's supposed. to. But we've to, all been debating when.
0: Yeah. He's supposed Go to ahead. be posting a second photo now, and if he doesn't, he's, then I'm gonna I'm gonna freaking hack his account and I'm gonna post his second photo. It's gonna be a Brett Favre dick pic or something, unless he gets his button gear. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's gonna do something. It'll probably be like this weird cat or something. Who knows? But yeah, uh, at some point when he changes his second one, but I think he has a personal goal of only having one picture on there. So
0: I told him just delete the other one, put a new one up. But yeah, he can. He he. For some reason, he wants to. He wants this nostalgia, which is, if you know him, is kind of awkward that he even thinks that way. Um, but we'll let him have his moment. I got a roll, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. All right. Be sure to visit knockonartry.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing. Knockonartry.com.